What is up, 20 plus? Welcome back to week number two of the official 20 plus podcast. My name is Logan. I am the pastor here with 20 plus, here with my good friend Brett Norling. And uh, we're excited to be back. We got some good feedback on week one of the podcast. We talked about faith. If you have not seen it or listened to it, make sure to tune in on your favorite podcasting place, whether that be YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. What are you? What is your go to podcast? I'm a I'm a podcast guy. But but what's what's your go to destination? Spotify, Apple on the podcast, you know, on Apple. Oh, on, Apple on my iPhone. It's like the purple little. Yeah, Great. I'm not super tech savvy. So Great. we get more listeners on Spotify, but I don't have Spotify. You're an Apple Music person. Yeah, that's just easier, and that's what Mac likes. <laughs> it's all about the life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but today, I'm excited because today we get to talk about a topic that I know is really important to you, but I think it's important to all of us, and that's habits. Habits, habits, habits. If you say it three times, you develop a habit. Wow. But I'm excited. And really what this spurred from is I was recently uh, in a, like a leadership meeting with somebody, and he was teaching some of our staff, and he said, it's not like that profound of a statement, but it just jumped out at me. And I was talking to Mac about it, and he said, if you don't have habits, you'll quickly become out of control. And I don't know why that stuck out to me, because you know there's some quotes where it's like, like, wow, that quote was so good. Like, that quote isn't necessarily, like, profound. It's not like, oh my god, I've never heard that before. No, it's, you know, if you don't have habits, you'll quickly be out of control. But the way he said it, and the weight that it carried, talking about the good habits that he has, was... I don't know, it just stuck stuck out to yeah. me, and it hit me hard. And so as I began thinking, okay, what are the good habits that I need to have in my life? Because I think a lot of times when we think about habits, we talk about bad habits, but what are the good habits that I need to have? And then I started thinking about all the habits, and most of the habits were bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, crap, Like I need to have better habits. And um, that's what sparked this. And so as we were talking, like, what should we talk about? We got to talk about habits. Yeah. And I'm excited. Yeah, I think today. even when you jump off that quote, if you flip it kind of the other way around, if you feel out of control, it might be be because you don't have any habits. Yeah, and or so, you have bad habits. Yeah, so it's almost um, not only is it it's sort of a it's a diagnostic tool. It's kind of also um, well, it is a diagnostic tool where hey, I feel out of control. Let's start looking at my habits. I feel like totally. I don't have any wherewithal to my direction in my life my sense of purpose or i don't have any clarity on what my next step is maybe maybe your habits are a little out of whack and that's, there's no shame in that i think we've all been in a place in a season where man we've been hitting that snooze button 15 times every morning and yeah or or we haven't made our bed in two years <laughs> what know? bad habits do you have well recently i actually curbed um biting my nails man um, i still bite my nails Really? It's terrible. I'm I like think a grown I'm, man and I bite my nails. <laughs> I think I went, honestly, I'm, so I'm 22. I think I went, like, honestly, 15 straight years without using a fingernail clipper. I always clip my toenails. So I just, yeah. you know, I can't reach them and bite them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You should never bite your toenails. That's gross. But what is happening? Um, like, probably six months ago, wow. I decided. How'd you beat it? I want to know. Um, do you like take your fingers? honestly? How did I beat it? Yeah, well, <laughs> Jen, I mean, I'm trying. Jen kind of picks her lips. This is your girlfriend. This is my girlfriend. Yeah. She kind of picks her lips. So I said, Look, if you stop doing that, I'll stop biting my nails. Wow, 
Accountability. It, well, <laughs> maybe it was just I wanted to beat her to like quitting because I was so competitive. Man, we need to talk about relationships. Apparently, yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, so that's how I curbed it. And I actually, this is this is actually how I I stopped. Okay. I put a fingernail clip clippers in my backpack. Okay, and I bring my backpack everywhere. So yeah. if I'd be like about to bite my nails, I'd say, "Wait, I have the yeah. tools that I need." About to bite you. Like, <laughs> about that. Uh, just, just, but I found for me, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't sitting down at night having planned, okay, at 8.30, I'm going to bite my nails. <laughs> no, like I didn't do that. I would bite my nails you driving. You know, I'd be driving around You're and just driving in and traffic and I'd see one hand. I guess I do that sometimes. And I realized it was... Just it was almost like pulling your phone out of your pocket when you're alone in a restaurant. Totally. It's just kind of a time filler. So, yeah, yeah when it comes to habits, self awareness is so big. And oh, I don't yeah. know if you want to get into that yet, but for me, how did I break it? I think I just brought self awareness to it and said, "Look, I made a commitment to somebody I care about that I'm going to stop doing this." And then I put a fingernail clippers with me. Yeah, boom. You took action. It's money, man. Yeah, I, I was listening to a book on habits, and um, there's a lot of great books on habits and talk about a couple of them today but um the author was talking about how basically you don't have to there once a habit becomes so ingrained in you you don't have to think about it anymore so like for me sometimes whether it be biting my nails or other habits that i have it's like you don't have to even think about it and you just do it it's like breathing breathing is is a habit you when you're a baby and you're born you have to learn how to breathe you're that's why you when they start crying it's a good thing because that means they're at least breathing in air and sometimes for us our habits are so bad or so ingrained in us or positive even but just you don't even think about the habits it's like if ever, ever you've been driving and I, this happens to me all the time but all of a sudden i realize like where am i going like, yeah. i'm on autopilot to work or i'm on autopilot home or I'm, and i'm not going that way but because maybe the route was leading me on the same freeway or the route was leading me the same starting point then i just habits took over or 20 minutes into the ride you're like how did i even get where i am right. like i don't remember the last 20 minutes and that's scary uh but habits are powerful and they come into play you know in our life every single day every yeah. single moment we are living out our habits and yeah. so i think it's an important thing to do as um young people to figure out okay what are the habits that i struggle with but also what are the habits that i need to be doing what are the mm. good habits i need to be adding in my life what are the bad habits i need to be taking away from my life and I feel like at this point, before you can put good habits in place, I feel like you, like you talked about, you first have to assess kind of where you're at and say, all right, what, what is my situation? What habits do I have? What are the good ones? What are the bad ones? Because I think a lot of times we see a habit of somebody else. We say, oh my gosh, they get up so early. I want to do that. Well, if you work a night shift, it's like I get done at three and I got to get up at five. Well, that doesn't <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense right. for you. So, so you have to tailor it to who you are and and to your situation and circumstance. But I think that's an important part to first start by saying, where am I? What do I have? What are my habits? And then then you can start to figure out what are the ones you need to keep, what are the ones you need to grow, what are the ones you need to get rid of, and then others yeah. that you need to add. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think ultimately when it comes to kind of what you talked about an autopilot. I think the research would say we do anywhere from 40 to 50% of our life habitually, right? Same. Like it's you, like you say, you drive to work and it's, you just kind of, your conscious mind sort of turns sure. off and you just ride, ride it out. And right. I think that's our brain's attempt to say, I want to be as effective as possible. So I'm going to use kind of as little of my mind as possible to do this mundane task. Yeah. But I think that's a contagious way to live where now you've, 
you've put your drive to work on autopilot mode. Well, then you get to work and you put your conversation with your coworker on autopilot mode, and it sure. really isn't genuine. It's not authentic, and I think that's the danger. Now you t- you bring about you bring up this autopilot idea, and I I fall into that a lot where I'm efficiency driven, and so I go into that. All right, let's put sort of this this pillar of my life on autopilot so that you know these other areas I can really hone in on. Well, what a, you know as a Christ follower, what is the most important? It's not really being efficient at work. It's being at work to bring to bring the message of Jesus and sure. to love on people well. And so I've found for myself that's one of my bad habits is I'll get out of bed and I'll be in you know a quick shower, grab my lunch, and just get out the door. And all of a sudden I get to work and I realize I've been so in such a hurried sort of state that it's just my habit and I carry it through my eight hours of work and then I'm like, crap, I didn't have a meaningful conversation with anybody today. Yeah. I'm not here to work. I'm not really serving my boss. I'm I'm serving the king of kings. that doesn't make sense. I need to I need to sort of realign that area and and yeah, that autopilot that's a big one for me. So Totally. And I think there's another side of that where if you go to the the flip side of the coin Maybe some people would be so focused on, oh, I gotta, I gotta witness today, or I gotta do this today, where they don't actually get their work done, you know. <laughs> right. And then they're so focused on what God's speaking to them, but they can't, you know, li- listen to their boss, or they can't do the work that they're supposed to do. And so I think what we see in Scripture is God wants us to be great employees. Yeah. God wants us to be great, you know, business owners, great students, whatever it is. But He wants us to do it with the awareness that there are people around us mm. that it's not about just getting the task right. done but it's about getting the task done effectively and recognizing that there's people around us and um, one of the best books on habits I read it recently um, is Atomic Habits it's a popular book right now by James Clear and uh, I was looking through some of the quotes that I wrote down every book that I read I kind of write down quotes that I, I liked from it and kind of rate it on how well um, and I rated that an A it was a great book mm. Um, but one of the things that stuck out to me, one of the quotes I wrote down, it said, the ultimate form of intrinsic motivation is when a habit becomes a part of your identity. And I think that's so true about habits. And when we talk about intrinsic motiva- motivation, you talked about with you and Jen and talked about this, how we beat habits. But I think the biggest part about habits is, has it gone into who we are? Yeah. Have we identified to say, that's the person I want to be. That's the girl that I want to be. That's the guy that I want to be. That's the leader that I want to be. And I think that's important to say, I'm not just doing this habit because everybody else told me to do it. I'm not just doing this habit because I've read it in a book. Mm. I'm not doing this habit you know, for whatever reason. It's I'm doing this habit because at the core of who I am, that's who I want to be or yeah. that's who I don't want to be. And, you know, and we're talking about 20 plus podcasts here with River Valley. I think it'd be appropriate to think, okay, James Clear, that's really good, but what does the Bible have to say? Mm. Because I think sometimes we can read and learn so much, but then we realize most of what the best leadership principles, they come right from Scripture. And so um, this is a popular verse, and it deals with this same same thing. And it's Romans 12 too. Maybe you've heard it before. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. But it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Wow. And as you read that, you know, he's writing it to the Romans, Paul is, and you know, it's like, God, don't conform to the patterns of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like, I can memorize it, like, 
it's a great verse. And I think sometimes we think, okay, I don't want to be like them. And so I'm going to do the things that God wants me to do. Instead of doing the things that the world does, I'm going to do the thing God wants me to do. And that's true. That is what the verse is saying. But as I was researching this more, it began to take shape. And the word that Paul uses for like the behaviors and customs of this world are the practical things that the non-believers or the, the pagans or just sinners, so to speak. There's a lot of words they use. The word that he's using is is for the practical sins and practical, mm. basically daily tasks that the people lived and, and did in their lives. But then the word that he talks about in changing the way we think, he's actually talking about our identity. And he's saying, don't be so focused on the day-to-day things. Don't be so focused on the things that you see on Instagram or the people that you're trying to compare yourself to or the celebrity status that you just can't live up to. Be focused on the person and the soul that God has given you, the identity of who you are. And in that, that's how you're going to be transformed. That's how your mind's going to change. And then what you're going to do is you're going to see God's will, which is pleasing and perfect. But I think sometimes we think, okay, I'm going to check the box and I'm going to not do those things. I'm going to do those things. But really what God's saying is it's not about the, the menial tasks or the practical things. It's about your identity. And I think that's what the James Clear quote is saying. Yeah. Is it, it's so powerful when you change it from, oh, I want to do that because somebody else did, to I'm going to do that because that's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I think to connect it to another kind of portion of scripture that has just kind of struck me lately is just the story of Zacchaeus. Where, where Jesus walks up to Zacchaeus and he's basically like, hey, come down from that tree. I'm going to eat dinner with you. And Zacchaeus was not commanded to do this, but he says, wow, you know, four times anything I've wronged anybody, I'm going to give back and I'm going to give half of all my possessions to the poor. This is his response, but was it prompted by Jesus? No, it was, it was totally intrinsic. It was totally authentic. And what does Jesus say back to him? He says, today salvation has come. And... I've just been thinking about that in the context of identity. And even when it comes to faith, Zacchaeus' response was not a mandate. It was it was a motive. It was intrinsic. It was, I want this because I want to cast a vote to be a certain type of people. James Clear talks about that in his book where he says, hey, if you're trying to change your habits, just start casting small votes. So if that means you want to be a little more neat, wake up and make your bed because that's a small vote towards... I am a neat person. It's an identity thing. It's not so much a, hey, every day I'm going to clean my kitchen because this is my goal. I don't want to focus so much on the goal. I want to focus on the person who would attain that goal, who would behave in that way. And so when it comes to this idea of identity behind our habits, it carries so much more weight. Totally. It carries so much more weight. And not because, I don't know if that's a, a rebellious streak in me. I think a lot of us kind of think that way where almost like we we want to it has to be our own authentic idea to make it really meaningful and and again i think zacchaeus was a tax collector right so he was kind of i mean to in in our current modern day talk he was sort of ripping people off where he would pull their taxes and he would take some stuff he probably shouldn't have taken and so he said in that moment look i want to be a generous person so i'm going to do one thing that's going to take a step towards generosity not because jesus told me to but because I think it's that's who I want to become, and and taking that step, casting that vote. I love that terminology of. Look, you don't have to do everything that a generous person would do yet, 
But let's say you, you do one thing. You start to tithe, let's say, or um, you just commit to having a $5 bill in your car. And if you see anybody at a stoplight who's asking for money, you just give it. You say, hey, this is a small step. It's five bucks to me. Maybe five bucks to you is a lot. But whatever that is, I don't think we need to go and... I mean, Zacchaeus does end up giving half of his possessions away. I don't, I'm don't. i not prescribing that for everyone. But whatever it is, I, I love that. Um, taking it upon yourself and not not just regurgitating. Totally. I just, that's just like... We ought to be authentic in our habits because otherwise... Yeah. They're not gonna stick, right? Totally. So. And it's the old like the old saying of actions speak louder than words. But I think with our habits is it's like who we are is gonna come out mm. in the way that we live our life. And when you you know, I, I think you said this to me, maybe it was your football coach, a lot of people have said it, but it's like how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. How you do anything is how you do everything. So if you're gonna say, Oh, well that's who I am as a person, well then our actions should show that. And I think, you know, the whole core of what this first part of our conversation is is let's first identify who we are mm. and who the type of person is and it's we're made in the image of god god wants us to be transformed god wants us to be you know lights in this world there's i mean we could talk about that for so long but understanding that then helps us to lead us to more of that practical step yeah. of okay now that i know who i am now that i know i want to be this type of person that's different for everybody for somebody, you know, they may want to be more of a of a leader from a employee side of things, or maybe they say, "Hey, I just want to be a really good employee." Someone else says, "I want to start a business." Someone else says, "I want to be a teacher." There's all different things, and there's different habits that come with that. Right. But I think more of our habits actually come from the identity of who God's called us to be. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just something to look at. Any habit we're looking at, either adding or breaking, we should look at it from that lens. Yeah. Who is God calling me to be? What is the the person that he's created me to be and the calling that he has mm-hmm. in my life? How does that affect me? And so I think it'd be cool for us to talk about maybe some some habits that we need to change mm-hmm. as, as young people. As, you know, Maybe there's some that we struggle with more than others. Um, knowing our identity, but then saying, okay, now we got to talk practical. Now we got to say, what are some habits that yeah. we need to change? And why do we need to change them? And I think the first one is... And you talked about earlier, but it's hitting the snooze button. <laughs> and I'm guilty as anyone. I hit the snooze button, and you get up way earlier than me, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. But I'm like, I'm like a night owl kind of person. I like will stay up late. I don't like to necessarily stay up late, but all of a sudden I just look up and it's midnight, and then <laughs> it's like, ah, if I want to get up at six, then it's like, man, that's gonna be hard. And then six turns to six thirty, turns to seven, turns to seven thirty, and then you leave the second that you have to leave or something. And um, I think that's something we're all victim of. But I think a big part of that is, you know, we don't, the reason we don't want to hit this news button is because I think if you intended to get up at the time that your snooze button ended at, like, you would have just set your alarm for that time. (laughs) Like, if, if, like, oh, I I set my alarm at seven, but I don't need to get up till eight. Well, how about we just learn how to get up at eight, you know, but then what happens is we end up setting our alarm at eight and then end up getting up at nine or whatever. And so I think part of it is we know ourselves, but I think the, the idea of a snooze button just starts off our day on the wrong place. It's like, I'm going to put off my alarm. I'm going to put off my wake up time. Whereas really we should say, no, I'm going to wake up when I'm supposed to wake up. And being somebody who gets up early, what do you feel like is... I don't know. What do you feel like that? Yeah, I mean, I think what you talked about before, or just in kind of the beginning there, was I think is important. 
for you, if you're productive at night, I'm not suggesting you become a morning person. And I'm especially not suggesting you stay up till midnight and then wake up at five. Because you do, especially for me, I've learned when it comes to my health, and not just my physical health, I think my emotional health, my mental health, my relational health, my sleep is really critical. And if I'm less than seven hours on a consistent basis, it's not good. And so that begins, I think, that kind of forms the question, um, or it kind of forms our answer to the question is, what? where are you productive? For me, when I stay up late into the night, there are two things that happen to me. I get distracted and I start to eat. And so when I, when I find myself up late at night, I'm eating ice cream. It's like, well, I don't really, I love ice cream and I could eat it for every meal, but that's not who I wanna be. So I found, hey, if I just cut out that distraction, or not distraction, but if I just cut out that opportunity, Look, now I'm now I'm not only getting the right amount of sleep, I'm eating healthier too. And so that's, for me, that's why it works. Another thing, mornings to me, I, there's a piece about them. Um, you know, I kind of like to be at work before other people. I kind of like to be up when it's dark. I kind of What time did that. you get to work today? Today? Just tell everybody. <laughs> I got to work at 5.05 this oh, morning. I was dreaming. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and so that's the thing is, is if you, and again, I woke, I woke up early because I went to bed early. I was in bed at eight last night. Totally. And so it's, again, I'm not suggesting everyone just transform themselves into a morning person. Yeah. It has to be that understanding of what works. And, and I, I think to speak to the snooze button, um, like you just said, if, if the first opportunity we have to stay true to our commitment is failed by hitting the snooze button, what's the second opportunity going to be? Yeah. You know, all of a sudden you have a meeting at nine at work. Well, you show up at 9.03. Well, I don't, there's probably a relationship there. And not that we need to be this, you know, super real tough and hard-edged, like I'm, I have this and this and this. But I think there is something to be said about when the first decision of the day is a disciplined one. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier. There's kind of momentum in that decision where all of a sudden you get the ball rolling as far as, hey, I am disciplined. Yeah. I'm true to my word. What, this, what scripture says, you let your yes be yes, your no be no. Totally. If at... 9.30, you went to bed and set your alarm for 5.30. I mean, that's eight hours of sleep. But 5.30 comes and you say, well, I'm going to change my word that I said last night. I don't know. I mean, there's it probably opens the door a little bit to saying changing your word later. And I'm coming at it maybe like it sounds like I got this down. I don't. I still hit the snooze button. I mean, this morning, I think my it just starts first alarm. <laughs> yeah, my first alarm went off at 4.10. I was out of bed at 4.20, right? So oh, I, hit it, I hit it once. But that's still, I think... <laughs> You know, but I think I think your point here, and I think it's a great one, is you have to be looking at it from like, okay, what do I need to be doing, and how can I be true to myself? Like, how can I? And and now you don't want to be true to yourself to a fault where you're like, oh, I'm just being true to myself and just sleeping for 14 hours. (laughs) Right, it's it's not an excuse. Exactly, you don't become entitled because of your true to selfness. Totally, but but in that is okay. Maybe I'm not a morning person, but then why set your alarm? at five if every <laughs> single day you're gonna snooze till 7 30 like just set it you're at about to annoy your roommates exactly, like, you're like your, exactly. your alarms are going out for two hours totally totally and then you're waking everybody else up and then you've got other issues on your hands but i think even more importantly than that it's you have to start before the night before mm-hmm. and not just with the snooze button this is obviously an example that we're using but when you are thinking about what time you have to wake up as you said you went to bed at like eight o'clock but you, I mean, we read a lot about like all the CEOs get up at five in the morning or the best leaders, and I've read that before. But then you look at what time they're going to bed, and it's eight, it's nine, right. at the latest, 10 o'clock. They're still getting sleep. It's just they're getting sleep at different times than we mm-hmm. are. 
And there are a few people on the planet that claim that they get they only need, you know, four or five hours of sleep. And there are, you know, some studies that show that, but the majority of our sleep studies show that we really do need like right. six to eight hours. Um, and so I think for us it's figuring out, all right, what time do I need to go to bed in order to get up at that time? And then also not feeling guilty about it, you know, because I'm not a five in the morning at work kind of person. Right. That's just not me. It's never been me. Maybe it will be me someday, but right now that's not me. But I think there's freedom in knowing, okay, yeah, today's a day where I get to sleep in a little bit later, knowing that I'm going to work a little bit later, mm-hmm. or this is a day that I don't have work, so I'm not going to put this pressure to sleep in because that's going to be hard for me, totally. and I'm going to feel like tired and worn down and not at my best if I'm trying to get myself up before a certain time. Right. But then if I'm staying up really, really late because I know I get to sleep in and I'm still feeling worn down, it's like you have to prepare and take like look at it from a whole I don't know like a day perspective or a week perspective and not think about it as tomorrow I'm going to get up at this time but then you don't even care about what time you're going to bed you don't even care about what food you're eating before you go to bed you're, you're like and again that's it's not just about sleep but it's about the preparation yeah. to what is my goal what totally. is my desired result and then in that what am I going to do to lead up to that rather than getting in the moment and saying you know what, like, I'm going to eat really healthy, but then you don't pack a lunch, and then what happens? You go out and eat fast food. It's just right. the, just what we do yeah. because we don't we didn't prepare for it. Right. And so I think that's a big part of being disciplined totally. in that area is doing the prep work. Yeah, the prep, I think, I mean, Paul talks about it in, I think it's First uh, and Second Timothy, where he says, always be ready, right? If, if you're... If you're always ready, you never have to waste your time getting ready. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds kind of weird because obviously, you know, when it comes to the practical, did you pack a lunch? Um, did you go to bed on time? You did have to do some prep work. But when the moment then comes, you're not found, well, where's Brett? Oh, he had to go grab lunch quick and now he missed the meeting. Or, oh, he had to step out and make a phone call to get somebody to take care of his, whatever it is, his dog. Or It's like, no, I want to be a type of person that says, I've thought about this in advance and I care about it enough to make a decision to free me to live according like on mission that that my life is just a testament to the gospel not necessarily because I'm preaching the gospel all the time but because I'm in the moment I'm authentic I'm not you know I don't find myself having to step out of rooms that I need to be in to take care of something that I should take in taking care of yesterday so totally. Totally. the second one this is another one, habits we need to change. And this one's a totally different route from kind of that discipline one. But thinking about someone but not saying anything to them. And, and what I mean by that is all the time I'll see somebody and I'll think, oh, that's a cool shirt or, man, that was a cool thing that they said at you know church the other day or that you know they're just a great person to be around and they lift me up. But I don't ever say anything about it. And the reason why I think that this is a bad habit is because we live in a world where it's just – it's tough it's hard out there you know mental health we're in a really big crisis on that right now people are down on themselves suicides are up so high and i think that we miss opportunities to encourage people we miss opportunities to say that we love people to say that we're proud of people to say that you know they give us joy or they make us happy or whatever it is and so i think that's a habit that we need to overcome and say when i think about something when i think about someone when I'm, it was in my head. I got to get it out because I want to share it with them. Right. I don't. I don't want to regret not saying something because 
you know, it's like, oh, well, they maybe left and they moved away. And yeah. I, oh, I wish I was able to tell them. Right. Or maybe they pass away and you have that regret that, man, I didn't tell my grandma this or I didn't spend enough time. And it's when I'm thinking about something, mm. I want to get it out there. Yeah, totally. I mean, I love this thought that you don't, you don't need anyone's permission and you especially don't need God's permission to do something good, to do something nice. You know, I think sometimes we're, I'm going to seek the will of the Lord. Is it nice? Is it, is it a good thing to do to somebody? You should do it. And just along that line, it's um, even just this weekend, this past weekend, um, you know, my brother and his wife dedicated their baby and my mom had ended up inviting her parents to come to, to River Valley, and which is just a totally different church experience. They were, grew up Catholic. And so River Valley is a little bit of a, it's just a change of pace. And I remember during worship, I felt God was like, you need to go tell your mom that you're proud of her, that, that she took a step of faith and not faith, but maybe faith, boldness um, and obedience. And so I went up and gave her a hug and said, mom, I'm, I'm proud of you. And she looked at me and her, she just kind of started welling up with tears. And it's, how hard was that for me? Look, encouragement, it's free to give, but it's priceless to receive. So why do we withhold it? It doesn't cost me anything to tell you that you look nice, but it might mean the world to you. I don't know where my love's going to go. I, I love that phrase where, you know, again, the, back to the Zacchaeus story, Jesus looks up the tree and says, hey man, I'm going to come to dinner and look at all the, all these people now, half of his possessions go to the poor. He gives back any debt he's owed four times. But Jesus, I mean, because it was Jesus, maybe he didn't know that was going to happen. But for us, we don't know what God could do through a simple, hey, you kind of, you need a hug. And maybe they're not a hugger, so they say no. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I love that. Just let it, let's be abundant in encouragement. Totally. Let's not be so conservative and restrictive with, I need to make sure I say it right. Yeah. Nobody's offended if you say something nice, but it was a little wrong. Yeah. You know, I like those Jordans. Oh, they're just Nike stock. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> okay, forget it. Totally. Totally. So. That shirt's great. It's a blouse. <laughs> it's a. It's a blouse. Brand. What is a blouse? I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's like a lighter, lighter weight shirt. I think. Like, we need some women in this conversation right. to inform Angels us. behind the camera. Maybe. Maybe she knows what a blouse is. Anyways, uh, number three, <laughs> number three, this is one that I'm passionate about. Saying we're bad at remembering names. Oh. We all say it. It's we, a horrible excuse. Oh, all the time. Everyone says it. Even if you're good at names, say, oh, sorry, I don't remember your name. I'm so bad at names. What do you think when somebody says that to you? It's, it's a, like I said, it's just a bad excuse. I mean, and I'm, I tend to be... I do everything I can to not get offended because I've used that. I've said that to people where, hey, totally. man, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with names or I've met a lot of people this week. or Like, that's even worse, maybe. But you have a trick to remember names, don't you? There's a lot of tricks to remember names. And I think the first one is not saying I'm bad at remembering <laughs> names. Because what you're doing is you're immediately setting yourself up to not remember. And I read a book on this. It's called Unlimited Memory by Kevin Horsley. I think that's his name. But he's like the grand, like, He's like a chess grandmaster, but he also like memorized the most digits of pi, like unbelievable amounts of digits. Like it's crazy. And it's a short little book. That's a really worthwhile thing yeah. to do with your time. Could you imagine how much time he spent like memorizing? Do you know how many it was? Like I don't know. I want to say it was like a thousand or something. Oh. But it, I mean, it maybe even more. It was crazy with how many things he remembered. But he's like a memory champion. Maybe that was it. He was the grandmaster memory champion. I don't know where these things are if they're on ESPN. 
four or something. <laughs> but, like, we we watched the spelling bee the other day or whenever it was. I'd say the other day, probably several months ago. But like the spelling bee went to like overtime like seven times. It was unreal. And then they had like seven winners because they just couldn't not spell words <laughs> wrong. So, anyways, if like ten year olds can do it, you can do it. But basically, he talks about all these different memory tips and. He's, our our brain has the capacity to remember nearly an infinite amount of information. Our brain is stronger than any supercomputer. It's crazy. But the way that our brain works is it prioritizes information. And so it actually stores it. And, and it's almost like a filing cabinet is the way he describes it. But the, the more we use something, the higher on the mm. priority list it goes. So our name everyone's name is like the highest priority list so if you hear it your brain's immediately going to jump into action and think that they're talking to you so if you that's why you can hear your name from across the room yeah. and you look around and you say who said that to me and so with names you know when we're remembering other people's names first of all we got to trust that our brain can remember this yeah. but as maybe we learned in high school in you know different classes or in college psychology or whatever, I don't know what classes you learn this in, but our short-term memory can only hold like seven things. It's pretty pretty small. Yeah. Our short-term memory is pretty weak, but our long-term memory is very strong and our subconscious memory is like infinite. It's crazy. And so the trick is you have to take a name from your short-term memory to your long-term memory. But what usually happens is that we get somebody's name and within about six seconds, we've already forgotten. Yeah. And so I think the first step of remembering people's names, and we'll get to why it's important in a minute, but the first step is actually listening and making sure you got it the first time. Yeah. Because so many times you meet somebody, you're like, hey, how's it going with your name? Oh, Brett, oh, great to meet you. And then what do you do? And you just jump right forward, and then you're like, crap, what? What is their name again? Yeah. I, I'm literally just asked for their name, and I don't remember their name. Like, how bad is this? And so what I always try and do and what I've learned is to use their name as much as possible in that first conversation and say, hey, what's your name? Brett. Oh, Brett. Immediately say it back. Brett, it's great to meet you. Brett, what do you do? And you kind of sound weird by saying their name multiple times, but what you're doing is you're using it a lot to try and remember. Yeah. And then another tactic that he says, which has been really helpful, is he says, when you hear that name, think of somebody that you know, either a family member, a good friend, or even a celebrity that has that same name that you can tie it to. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, you hear the name like, I don't know what name, but like Adam. And you're like, oh, Adam, got it. I have a friend named Adam, my cousin named Adam, and I think about this. And what happens is your brain starts attaching that to a memory. I think he calls it like memory pegging or memory blocking. I don't know exactly what it is. He's the memory champ, I'm not. But the point is you take a short-term memory and you attach it to a long-term memory. Yeah. And so you're starting to attach these blocks together and then next time you see them, you're gonna go, oh, cousin Adam, oh, Adam, that's right, good to see you. And you start to think about this and then you start to get better at it and you start to learn, but then you have this confidence that you're gonna remember and so you do that. At church for us, we write down names. When we meet people, Mac and I will write down names of people we meet and kind of who, who they were, what they did for work, just so that we remembered them, what they were wearing. Yeah. And when you do kind of all of those things, which all those things are intentionality, mm. then you start to remember. And now the reason why this is important is because a name is really, as we talked about, the most powerful thing that anyone hears in any language. No matter what language it's in, if they hear their name, it immediately triggers positive emotions, it immediately triggers a response. And some people might not like their name, but it's what 
is used so often. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's important. If we can't remember people's names, then how do we expect to make an impact on their life? How do we expect them to come to one of our groups if we can't remember their name? How do we expect them to feel loved if we can't remember their name? And I think that that's where, you know, you look at Jesus and you talk about Zacchaeus again, but he's like, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. What's your name? And he immediately gets to know who he yeah. is. And I, I think that we often miss that. And totally. that when we say, oh, I'm bad at remembering names, what we're saying is, sorry, I didn't take the time to be intentional yeah. and value you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all about value. It's all about intentionality. I love what you get, what you said about writing stuff down at church. I mean, a while ago, I was working as a medical scribe, and what I would do, just the nature of the work is there's six scribes on any given day working for the different doctors in the emergency department. and So I would work with somebody one day, and I wouldn't see him for another month, and one of my fellow scribes. And so I started doing that. I would just jot down a paragraph, like in my phone and my notes, about the last conversation we had. And as nerdy as that sounds, it's really meaningful when Absolutely. You know, I get to talk to one of my friends. Hey, I, I remember last time you said you were applying for the Peace Corps. How's that going? I mean, it, the look on their face is like, man, no one's ever cared about me like that before. Now, hopefully someone has, but it's that level of the name again. It gets the ball rolling on caring about someone's story. It's just like the snooze button, right? The snooze button gets the ball rolling on discipline. The name, it gets the ball rolling on hey, I care about more than just getting something from you. I actually care about giving something to you, the best thing ever, and that's love. And, and, and I'm here to know you and to hear you. And, um, and to value to, Yeah, to validate you, to value yeah. you. And so we need to stop saying, I need to stop saying that. I'm yeah. bad at remembering names. Yeah, and I think what you just said there, I think if we do forget, because we're, we're going to forget at times, and I think we can be better about being intentional and not say I'm so bad with names. But if we do forget, I think one, it's let's be honest about it. Instead of what, what I often do and, or have done and I try to overcome it, but when you meet somebody, you get their name and then you forget the second time, you do this thing, especially in like the church world, but maybe even just like in a workplace if they're not in your department, you just kind of avoid them. Because <laughs> you're like, I met them before and I got their name and I should know their name. And once I remember their name, then I'll go up and go up and be like, oh, hey, Amy, good to see you. But it's like, crap, I don't know her name. I don't know her name. But we, we avoid them. And we don't want to remember anything, and so we just avoid it. But I think it's important if we forget. We have to swallow our pride yeah. a little bit and go, hey, I remember we met. And and then if you can remember details about them, like the Peace Corps thing, or, hey, I remember you were telling me about your son, or I remember you were telling me about your friend that was going through that hard time, or I remember you told me you went to the, the game this weekend. How was it? that opens it up. Hey, I'm so sorry. I forgot your name. I remember we talked about the game and you're a big fan and you were super excited. Could you tell me about it? And could you just remind me your name one more time? Yeah. That, yeah, maybe it hurts a little bit, but at least you remembered details about totally. them. But if you go up, what was your name again? Did we meet before? <laughs> I've done that before. I'm like, hey, have we met? And they're like, yeah, we've met several times. I'm like, ugh, you might as well just like, man, I'm so sorry. Right. We, we met several times. I remember there was one week in church. I was walking up to this lady and her son, and Mac, my wife, she said, don't like, don't go up to them. I was like, what? I got to introduce myself to this new family. She goes, you met them the last two weeks. And I was like, what? I, I didn't remember. So she saved me from introducing myself for a third time. So grateful for her. There you and, go. Uh, but we got we to gotta remember and we got to stop saying we're bad and totally. remembering names. Totally. So number four, we got scrolling. Now, this is something... I'm pretty passionate about myself. I spent so many hours of my high school years and early into college, I would be on Instagram 
I mean, I actually tweeted one time that if it weren't for Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> I would have an extra 10 hours of sleep per week. Wow. I tweeted that in high school. I thought it was really clever. Little did I know that um, I all would of, end up... All of our tweets in high school we thought were so <laughs> And they're terrible. Yeah. But Twitter, that was like Twitter's peak, you know? We were kind of on that wave and... No, I went I mean, back and deleted a bunch of tweets that were just stupid. <laughs> I feel like we maybe all did. They're like an old girlfriend. You delete the photos, an old tweet, you know? Yeah, but now you can archive. So, like, it's funny. You see people who archive all their photos on Instagram when they break up and then they, like, get back together and they're like... Re bring them back up. Like Yikes. I saved these. Like, <laughs> what did you say again? <laughs> what were we talking about? Anyway, scrolling? so little did I know that, um, you know, going into college, I would sort of feel this conviction to actually get rid of a lot of my social media because I felt like it was a way for me to. It was sort of just a mental dump that wasn't healthy for me. It wasn't really a good way to, as we talked about last week, to kind of rest. I would find myself. And, and, you know, the temptation of the internet, but also just sort of the, the negativity of it. And, and one of the things that we talk about a lot is just this natural response where you're alone at a restaurant or you're waiting on a friend at a coffee shop. And what do you do? You pull out your phone and you just start, you just start scrolling. Um, and the reality is this, we can miss so many moments. And even I find myself sometimes in conversation with people where I'll feel my phone buzz and I'll almost just like tune out the next three minutes of what they're saying because I'm thinking, oh, I wonder who texted me or I wonder what that's about. And so, um, yeah, we're calling it scrolling, but I think it's more broadly this deep connection to sort of this unproductive space where we just kind of veg out on our phone. Totally. And yeah. the Bible is really clear about about laziness. I mean, I... A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Like this is this is serious stuff. I mean, like it talks about a lazy man who he puts his hand into a bowl to get some food, let's say popcorn, but he's so lazy he can't even bring it back to his mouth. And it's convicting to really think about drive and and how this wonderful device, our phones, technology, is really connected our world. But and I mean, you and I, neither of us will harp on that. I think we use technology very well, but. We can use it really well. We can use it really poorly. So take me into your world on your phone, on social media, how you use that. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, um, I want to say daily battle, but for me, I feel like it's, um, it's like a weekly or a monthly thing. Like, I feel like I get in rhythms with social media where sometimes I'm off of it. There, there was a, we started off the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I actually started a little bit early in December with social media. And I just said, Hey, I'm not going to go on social media. Mm just unless I have to post something for you know work being in ministry it's you know got to post about events and things that are coming up but I just said I'm not going to go on it unless I, I have to and I so I kind of put it on a folder in a different part and just as you say that my phone buzzes next to me <laughs> <laughs> but um I put it in a different folder you know like so it's in a different spot where mm-hmm. I'm not um thinking about it and so I, I think for me that that season in December and January and even the, the you know the rest of this year so far has just been really a good season of not scrolling and doing that. But I think when we talk about scrolling, it's it is that it's the scrolling, like you said, it's the un you know like just time wasting, un you know unproductive, unfocused even time. And I think for me, scrolling is like that habit that we talked about at the beginning that it just happens. All of a sudden, I end up literally like I will do this. 
it's it's weird like i'm not as much on instagram but like email i'll just like scroll through my emails i'm like a zero inbox kind of person like max she she has like eight thousand unread emails and oh. it just stresses me out wow um but like i'm like i want it down to zero or as close to zero as i can get it i don't want to see the badges i just don't want to do it so i'll like scroll through my email when i'm like stressed and mac will be like what are you doing why are you just scrolling through your email you're doing nothing productive it's just this like blind we just need to be doing something yeah. and so i think i i'm victim of that with just filling our space i think a lot of that though comes from when we're like I said we're in between moments i think if we put our head up and looked around um i think we'd experience more i think we'd you know have better uh relationships i think we'd have better dinners i think we'd have better yeah. you know dates i think we'd have better lives if we did that and so when it comes to the habit of scrolling of you know dis- distractions unproductive distractions i think that it is going to take strong intentionality oh, yeah. to say i have to literally put this away it was um valentine's day uh recently and you know last last week and um we went out to a restaurant and i gave the my coat they had a coat check and i gave my coat and my phone was in my coat <laughs> and so we get down to this to the table and we had reservations and we sit down and i realized that i forgot my phone in my coat and I looked across the table at Mac and I said, Mac, I forgot my phone in my coat. And she goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she knows that that means that, she, that I, I'm giving her my full attention. Yeah. And, you know, our marriage is good. Like, we're, we're in a good spot. <laughs> she, she just was like, yes, I get your full yeah. attention, you know, because things can come up all the time. Right. But I think if that's the response of people we care about, to hey I'm not going to be distracted I'm going to focus on you then shouldn't that be what we desire shouldn't we want people to have that yes type of feeling Mm -hmm. I think the big reason why we end up scrolling is for a actually maybe positive but deceiving reason the reason why we scroll is because our phone is in our hands but the reason our phone is in our hands is because we have this pressure that an emergency or that we're gonna be needed, or that I'm gonna miss something. It's one of those three things. It's, well, what if that happens? Or what if they need me? Or what if I miss out? And all of those things are taking us away from the moment that we're in. But then we actually miss out on the moment we're in because then we're doing things that are unproductive. Those other three things, I don't wanna miss out on that opportunity. Sure, that's a good thing. Or I don't wanna not miss out on being needed. Or what if I miss an emergency and my, you know, my family member gets in a car accident. It's like, that happens how often? And yet we're here with our phones for those reasons, but then we're using it for all the wrong reasons. And so I think that's the, the question and you know, thing we need to wrestle with, the tension we need to live in to say, okay, what am I going to do? Or how am I going to process this to say, yeah, there's all these desires that are taking me away, but the, the reality is I'm looking at my phone for all the wrong and unproductive things yeah. that are taking me away from totally. what's actually important. Yeah. What you just touched on, we make so many excuses to keep it involved, but none of those excuses align with the reason it's like totally. you look it's better to, to cut your arm off it's better to poke your eye out and that's a really extreme version of what we're kind of talking about here but we're, we're trying to basically loophole ourselves into this hyper connection when for us and, and 
what you said where, where Mac was so excited to hear that your phone wasn't with you. Man, what a shame if that's how people we interface with at our jobs or at a coffee shop felt. Like, oh, I, you know, every time I see you, it just kind of feels like, you know, you're really on your phone a lot. Like, but that's a challenge to all of us. And, and I, I think for me to, to let myself, to let go of my excuses. Like, like you said, well, what if, you know, for me, what if my girlfriend gets caught up in something bad and she needs to call me and I need to go help her out? How many times has that happened in the last six months? Zero. And if I really, my faith needs to be built, like the protection of the Lord is way better than mine. So here I am with my friend at coffee who needs yeah. a listening ear. Totally. And my phone's on the table face up. Research would show that just the presence of a phone takes away totally. the connection that you make. Yeah. Um, and, and the feeling of value that someone gets when you're with them. So keep your phone in your pocket. Maybe put yeah. it in your backpack. Yeah, you know, but that's even hard for me. Where I'll be out doing something, and oh, has anyone seen my phone? Yeah. Why? Well, I don't. I just uh, wonder if anyone texted me. It's all good, man. Totally. <laughs> and I think it's we don't want to be like you know Pharisees about this idea because we know that, like you said, if there is an emergency or if there is something, we want that to be you know something you go to. And if you know you need to step out of a meeting for something important, or you need to step out of you know an event because you got to go somewhere and take care of somebody, we want you to do that. We want you to to take care of those things but i think it's the the pressure of i have to have this here i have to have this be my crutch it's almost this addiction Mm. i think it is an addiction for many of us to say this is my this is my important thing and i think that goes back to the identity issue to are we going to be focused on the menial tasks Mm. the daily things or are we going to be focused on who god's made us to be which is a person of faith a person of presence who's going to be there in the moment person who's focused a person who's attentive a person who's listening all of those things is that the type of person that we want to be and are we living that out based upon how much we're scrolling through or how much time we're spending totally on our phones yeah that's great number number five here the last one one i'm super excited about one that my dad just hammered into me as a kid um we're just going to talk about the habit we need to change complaining and we, we were talking before, um, when we, we had John Bevere earlier, you know, last year, it was in September. One of the things he said that just caught me was, God can hear the complaining in your heart. And so I feel like I've grown up in a home where verbal complaining, it just didn't happen. My dad, I mean, if you complained, he would quote a scripture at you and say, God hates complaining, one of the seven things. You know, it's like, okay, dad, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. You know, um, but the reality is, it's, I think complaining or, or not complaining is sort of like humility, where I think sometimes we can say, I'm a really humble person, but then when you start to analyze your motives, you realize, I don't know if I'm that humble, whereas complaining, hey, look, I go to church and I serve, but every time I get to church and serve, I kind of grumble that the people next to me aren't serving as hard as me. And it's like, we ought to level up our expectation and our standard where we say, look, we don't need to complain. And there's some things in scripture that, that make it clear. Complaining is, it's troublesome. It's, yeah. it's almost, I think, also sort of like unforgiveness, where you've heard that phrase where unforgiveness is kind of like you're drinking a poison, hoping it kills somebody else. Yeah. And I think complaining is that, where we can actually spoil our experience. Totally. We can spoil an entire moment where God wants to teach us something because we complained that no one else was stacking chairs with us. Man, 
what we're like for me, my heart ought to be a servant's heart, but my servant's heart has turned into a complaining heart. Yeah. And and again, probably I, I hope no one would say about me, Brett complains a lot. I've made it a value of mine to try to not verbalize those thoughts, but that's not enough. That's not where it stops. And so I'll read the scripture and then you can share a little bit. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, it's actually verse 10 as well, but basically Paul's talking about some of the things that he saw in the church that he was pretty upset with. And in, in this list, he says a few things that I think today we kind of, we grimace at. We're like, dang, those are some kind of big sins. And, you know, on the list is, is you know, sexual immorality, it's idolatry, it's pagan revelry, some of these kind of like, holy crap. And then in verse verse 10 uh, of chapter 10, it says this, um, we must not grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. So in this list of, again, what seems like, oh my goodness, how could they be doing that? Paul calls out complaining. And that I think just puts weight to kind of add some oomph. This is a dangerous topic. Totally. I had this thought on complaining a few days ago and I worked a really long day. And like like a really long day. And I was thinking, man, God, I just, I worked such a long day. I'm tired. I was, you know, given everything for, for ministry and all this stuff. And I could sense that heart of complaining. Yeah. I wasn't verbalizing it, but I was having that attitude and my heart was starting to shift. And I felt what God was saying to me is, Logan, when you complain, you're actually stealing from me. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, think about it. The verse we're going to talk about, he who serves the poor, he who serves the least of these, you did it for me. So then, when you're complaining about serving me, when you're complaining about being the best person you can be, being the best dad, being the best mom, being the best you know employee, being the best friend that you can be, you're complaining about how hard it is. You're actually complaining about serving me. Wow. And he said, you're stealing from the blessings that I wanted to give you. Wow. You're stealing from the blessings I want to give you here on earth, but even more than that, the blessings that I want to give you in heaven. Because he says, what does he say? He says, those who, who share and who have the prayers and who are boasting in glory of their, the glory of themselves, they've received their reward in full. Wow. But those who wait, those who pray quietly, those who pray quickly, those who are not focused on it, and what do they do? They pray long and quiet. They pray long in the secret place. And yeah, you put in those long hours. You worked really hard. And you know who saw it? God did. But immediately when you start complaining, what you're saying is, everyone else, I want you to see it too. I want you to know how hard I worked. Wow. I want you to know what I did. And God said, okay, you wanted your reward here on earth. Okay, you wanted your reward now. That's okay. God's not mad at you about it. But he says, you know what I hate? I hate when you steal the reward that I have for you. I'm not going to beat you up for it. But it would have been so much better if you would have waited. Yeah. It would have been so much better because the blessing that I have for you, yeah, the reward that you got from having someone else pat you on the back and say, oh, yeah, you're a hard worker. or Oh, yeah, you're going through a tough time. The, the feeling that I want to get every day, God says, you know, it would be better for you if you waited because there's a better reward for you. And then all of a sudden, if you start doing it too much, that's where he talks about. You're grumbling, complaining starts to become who you are. Now you're sinning. 
changes God's perspective from saying, I had a great reward for you from now you're stealing from me and now you're starting to diminish the call that I had on, on your life and I gave you that opportunity. I put you in that position or that state you live in or the, the job that you have or the family that you have and you're complaining about it because you had one tough moment but I gave you all these things and God's saying, how could you essentially spit in the face of the call that I put in your life? Yeah. I don't want to add too much weight to this to make us feel condemned, but I think what God's saying in this is the reason why he put it on that list is he's saying when that's the spirit of what you have, when that's the spirit of who you are, when that's a habit that we complain all the time, God says, you're missing everything that I put in front of you. All of a sudden, the step that you take, complain. The job that you get, complain. The relationship that you have or don't have, complain. Right. And we become victim of this complaining culture. And God says, the blessings and the rewards that I have for you, I'm not able to give you. And now you're cheapening the call. And then the last one that I think is even the most destructive of all, all of them, you start to bring others down with you. Yeah. And when you complain, then others start to complain. And especially as a leader or someone of influence, which we all have leadership and influence in different parts of our life, when we start to complain, other people see that about us and they go, oh, well, Brett complains. I complain too. He's a hard worker and he still complains. He was having a tough time at Life Group. He complains. Yeah. He serves really hard, but I, I remember that time where he complained. And so the habit that is stealing our blessings, that is hurting the heart of God, then bringing down others. Totally. That's where God looks at it. He says, that, I, that's sin. That's sin. And you need to get that out of your life. Yeah. And that's why I think he puts the level of weight that he does in first corinthians right. there because he's saying it's that important because of all those reasons don't complain accept the call on your life and see what i'll do yeah. through it yeah i think geez what you just said is it's even hitting hitting home for me because i remember my senior year of college i remember just it was again i had one of those kind of long days where i just felt like i had worked really hard and nobody noticed and I feel like I just got home and, and God just whispered in my heart. He just said, hey, stop living long days and wearing a long face. Hmm. And I was like, jeez. Like, I think about somebody who inspires me, my brother Seth. That guy works harder than anybody I know, and you would never know it. He never wants the credit. He never wants the glory. He never wants the pat on the back. And that's what we ought to be. Like, we... We ought to give our life. Like, I mean, I love what Paul says. It's kind of crazy, but he says, look, I beat my body in submission. You know, I broke myself for the gospel. And I'm over here having, you know, studied for six hours straight. Oh, like, who wants to go to ice cream? And not that ice cream's bad. I think we do need to, we have to have the awareness yeah. to, to reward ourselves. And again, we talked about last week, but to take those moments of rest. But man, we... We got to stop looking for the credit because mm-hmm. the, the glory, the credit, the honor, that's not ours. Yeah. And, and we're stealing, like you said, we're stealing from God, but we're also stealing from ourselves. And yeah, um, yeah I just, that thought of, man, if you've had a long day and you find yourself a little bit entitled, pump the brakes, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's not, somebody else probably worked harder. Somebody else probably did more. You know, even when it comes to like serving at events, I think sometimes I leave and I'm like, dang, I just worked so hard and then it went so fast and mm-hmm. I didn't get anything, you know, no pat on the back. And it's like, do you think that, 
you were the only one who yeah. put in some blood and some sweat <laughs> to this. Maybe not blood, actually, but yeah. you put in some skin in the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that ultimately it's like, it's not about us, but when we say yes to the call, we're saying yes to the work. Mm-hmm. But when we don't complain and when we step away from that, we allow other people to lift us up. We allow God to lift us up. We allow his story yeah. to be the one that overcomes. And we start, instead of pointing people towards what we can do, we start pointing people towards what he can yeah. do. And we say, I, I know that I did work very hard. Somebody gives you a pat on the back. Somebody prays you. Isn't that cool that God gave me that gift? Isn't that cool that God gave me yeah. that strength? And God says, let me get the glory because I can handle it. You won't be able to handle yeah, it. Yeah, totally. And that's another conversation. But I think for us, it's, God, examine me. Help me to be that way and help me to have the identity and be the type of person that you've called me to be. Be the type of person that gives you the credit, that gives you the glory, that doesn't complain, that doesn't you know, forget who people are, that doesn't not value them, that doesn't hit the snooze, that doesn't do all these things that we're talking about. God, I want to be the type of person that is honoring you in every aspect of my life. Yeah. How I do anything, God. I want to do everything that way. I want to be that type of person. Yeah. And so maybe you're listening today, maybe you're watching on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, you're listening and maybe one of those habits is hitting home and you feel like, okay, I need to work on that. We're with you. We want to be with you on that journey. We want to be with you um, because after all, we're not, none of us are perfect. God has given all of us different giftings. God has given all of us, you know, different habits that we're good at or bad at. And we want to surround you in that. And so just know that whether you're in a group or you're part of this ministry or maybe you're just watching online, you just found it. We want to be a part of your life. We want to be praying for you, believing for you, that you can have that identity, that God is calling you to be the type of person uh, that is just one that has great habits, one that is stepping up and being the type of person that God's calling you to be. So yeah. we love you. We're glad that you listened in to episode two. We're pumped to be back. Next week it'll be great. Um, but have an awesome week and I will see you back next time.